0: study in 1st chronicles chapter 13 we'll begin reading at verse 1 while you're turning there well if you need a Bible raise your hand so you can follow along with us we're going to cover chapters 13 and 14 tonight in our study so 1st chronicles uh, in the Old Testament chapter 13 is where we're going to begin reading Uh, just a couple quick notes um, uh, of interest and announcements uh, for you tonight and that is um, it is vacation Bible school Uh, Time that is uh, actually coming up on us very quickly in another month, um, June 3rd through the 7th. So um, the VBS next snack supply sign-up sheet. Uh, they 're at the table with all the uh, info. Remember to register your children and take some for some friends so they can uh, register their children as well. Invite somebody out. The vacation Bible school is really a great opportunity, I believe parents to talk to your kids about inviting you know their friends to church and, and uh, or family members or whoever it might be and uh, so uh, that 's a good way to get introduce them into um, just um, that ministry. Uh, that, of course, that we have as well to be able to invite people to church and tell them about the gospel and all of that. So uh, grab one of those registration forms and uh, we'll continue registering the kids this month. Looking forward to Vacation Bible School. Also, there's a flyer there about help with children's ministry as the children's ministry continues to grow at all the services. So if the Lord lays that on your heart, would you please uh, let us know? And there is the church office you can call and contact us about that. Um, There's some other things there. Uh, Again, uh, parents, uh, the VBS training at 10 o'clock on the 18th, that's a week from Saturday. And uh, if your kids, uh, your youth are planning on helping with Vacation Bible School, we ask that they go through that one-hour training. Uh, If they've already been through it, they're good to go. Um, But if they haven't um, on the 18th, if there's a problem with that, if you can get a hold of Angie uh, Mosley and talk to her, or you can grab me after the service, and, um, and we'll just kind of go from there, all right? So um, don't forget Mother's Day, all right, and um, is this Sunday. And so the bookstore will be open after the service, so you can uh, take care of that. First Chronicles chapter 13, I do have um, a parent um, request. Um, we want to continue to pray for Pastor Ed Taylor's son, Eddie Taylor. And um, on Sunday, we we had learned that on Saturday night, this last Saturday night, that uh, Eddie Taylor, uh, who's 26 years old and uh, newly married, has a brand new baby boy that's only a few months old, uh, had a very severe heart attack. And um, and so he's been in a coma ever since. And uh, so a lot of praying. Um, I know some of you have been wanting some more updates on it. There's not a whole lot of updates. Uh, we pass it along as the information comes, but um, it's been a lot of praying and a lot of waiting. So um, what they're wanting um, and praying for is that Eddie wakes up. The big question is, is um, if there's and how much if there is uh, brain damage. And so that's the unknown right now. There's been some progress. I have uh, text Ed, um, received a few short texts back from him. Right now he's focused on his family and, um, and with Eddie, and um, there's a lot of people trying to get a hold of Ed. Uh, but what I understand is that Eddie was outside. He had the heart attack, uh, cardiac arrest, and um, he wasn't found for a little bit. And uh, so um, the big question is, is how much oxygen was cut off um, from his brain. So we're just praying that he wakes up, praying for healing. Um, they, uh, the Taylor family is very much appreciative that we are praying as a church, and um, people all over the world are praying for Eddie, and, uh, pray for his wife, Rachel, and, and little Levi, and, uh, for Ed and Marie, and for the whole family, and, of course, Rachel's side of the family as well, and for the congregation down there at Calvary Chapel Aurora, as they're giving themselves to the prayer, and, and um, and they very much are, are hurting over this as well. Uh, I have uh, gotten a hold of the staff down there and just see how they're doing, and they're doing well, and um, just offered if there's any way that I can help or if we can help as a church that we are available for them. So uh, we'll be giving updates uh, as they come. Um, be patient. That's what Pastor Ed asked of me, and for um, he's asking of others, just be patient. And right now we're in a position of just praying, and waiting on the lord and that's what we're going to continue to do so any updates that we get we'll be sure to pass it along on the prayer chain and also i've been passing some of the updates on uh, facebook as well so we want to pray for them tonight and let's do that lord we just pray right now for the taylor family we lift up eddie to you we just pray that this young man who's a a peace officer uh, with the state patrol uh, a new father a new husband um, Lord, that loves you. Uh, we may not fully understand how a 26-year-old uh, can have a, a, a serious heart attack, a cardiac arrest. And, Lord, uh, we commit him to you, and we fall back on the things we do understand, and that is of your love. And, Lord, that we entrust Eddie to you. We pray for healing. We pray that you would wake him up. And, Lord, even as we speak, and and, and there's been some a little bit of progress, but, Lord, right now, just... Just wake him up and touch him. And, Lord, I pray for comfort for his wife, Rachel, and, Lord, for, for her family, and, and, Lord, that you would just strengthen her and bless her and she would perceive your presence in a very real way. We pray for Ed and Marie, Lord, that is so special to this congregation. I know for, for me and Sue, um, good friends. And, and, Lord, it's hard to see them go through this and the pain. Lord strengthen them and Lord I pray that you bring comfort to them and Lord be with the congregation down there that is hurting even tonight as as we gather right now they are praying and Lord may you hear our cry just as we even sang tonight and rescue them and Lord may they see your hand um, working and show yourself strong on their behalf and Lord I do pray that um, also that we know that there are those in this fellowship that are going through difficulties. I pr- think about Dan and Linda, that as Dan's uh, sister is very ill, and she he may be having to make very difficult decisions on her behalf. And, and we just pray for her. We just pray that um, that you'd minister her, that you bring healing to her down in Texas, that you'd be with Dan and, and um, Linda as they are there ministering to their family. And, um, Lord, the decisions that need to be made, that they would be clear. And you give them a peace that passes understanding. And Lord, just minister to them. And may they know that this congregation is thinking about them and cares for them. And Lord, I do pray again at this time of the year in, in mid-May where, Lord, there's so much going on with um, students trying to finish uh, school and taking finals. And and um, I know with uh, kids in high school and and um, trying to finish up projects and stuff. And we pray for them we pray that they would finish strong and i thank you for those who could be here tonight and lord i i do lift up those we have some kids that are going to be graduating high school and some from the college campus and, and lord i thank you for um lord just um what you're going to do in their lives and what you want to do in their lives and i pray as they take the next step um, in what you have for them that they would follow you all the days of their lives Lord, that you would guide them and, and protect them, and, and they would look to you for, um, Lord, wisdom and for strength and for the answers, that they would walk with you. And, Lord, they wouldn't be taken um, astray or uh, with the temptations of what the world has, the lies and deception of the world, but they would hold fast and stand fast in the faith. And, Lord, I pray that tonight as we study the word here that you would just minister to our hearts. And, and Lord, um, we come desiring to hear from you right now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So as we've been going through 1 Chronicles, of course, 1 Chronicles is a recap or reiterates uh, what we read in those historical books of 2 Samuel through 2 Kings. And so what we're looking at is the ministry of David and and as he ruled over Israel. And also we're going to be looking at his son Solomon building the temple and then the kings of Judah as we go through 1 and 2 Chronicles. And in the first nine chapters, what we saw, as you recall, was a lot of names, genealogy. And the emphasis of that genealogy, of course, was with the covenant people from Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob and his 12 sons his 12 sons being the patriarchs to the 12 tribes of Israel. And there was an emphasis among those 12 sons, or the, the different tribes, among the tribe of Levi, because Levi was the priestly uh, family. They were the ones that um, the priests came from, and the Levites, the different families of the Levites, they had responsibilities in helping the priests do the ministry there at the tabernacle and then later on at the temple. So there's an emphasis, as we saw there, in the Levites. There was no shortage of service, as we read, uh, concerning the Levites. They did all manner of service uh, concerning the tabernacle and also concerning the temple. And we know that in David's ministry, that what he did is he really organized the Levites, and we'll continue to see that. Because remember this: that even though it's a recap, first and second Chronicles of what we've already read about in Second Samuel through Second Kings, what we see is an emphasis here on the spiritual perspective of things. And I think we see that very clearly, and are going to continue to see that very clearly as we go through these chapters. That there is that spiritual emphasis uh, given to us as you know, first and uh, second kings that what we see is it tells the story and just kind of gives us the information but here we see more of that spiritual dimension the levites that that david would have in place that were end up being the gatekeepers at the temple they would be ones that were worship leaders and that's what we're going to see here again and we're also going to see the spiritual uh perspective of the kings that ruled in judah so that emphasis is there. And we also, as we've looked at not only the tribe of Levi that was emphasized, but also the tribe of Judah. And the reason was, is because David, he would come from the tribe of Judah, and he was the one that uh, First Chronicles spends much time talking about, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the great warrior that defeated uh, the enemies of Israel, and, and would also be one that had a heart after God. So there's a lot of emphasis on the tribe of Judah, but also the reason is is because what we're going to see here in a few chapters is once again that promise given to david that david i'm going to build a house for you is what the lord says and i'm going to establish my throne that is upon the throne of david uh, is going to come the messiah so we know that the messiah would come through the line of david and that's why the emphasis on the tribe of judah so that those who were investigating uh, after the death and resurrection of jesus christ hey they're claiming that Jesus is the one that fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning Messiah. And one of the qualifications is, is that Messiah would come from the line of David. So they would be able to check out the genealogy and see that. So that's what, you know, uh, we see as we go through here. And again, we know that, uh, that Israel, uh, after the days of the judges, would ask for a king and Saul became the first king of Israel. And we've talked about that quite extensively, even in our study of the book of Acts, as Paul was there in Antioch of Pisidia, and he would preach to the Jews there, he would give that sermon, and he would give that history concerning you know, um, their forefathers, and it was Saul that was the king, and He was rejected by the Lord, and then David became the king. And so we've been looking at that. Of course, when Saul was pursuing David in the wilderness, uh, that it was David that had 400 mighty men that gathered around him, and then that would increase to 600 men. And that's what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks in chapters 11 and 12 is these mighty men of David that are listed and, and the men that gathered around David. We've learned so much because... We know that Paul would say to Timothy, concerning you and I as Christians, that we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And a good soldier of Jesus Christ does not get entangled with the affairs of the world. So that's what we ended with last time. Those things that we saw in chapter 12, those principles and those truths as we apply them in our lives, how we can, you know, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And now as we move into chapter 13, we're going to read uh, that David is desiring to bring the ark from Kirchath-Jerim to Jerusalem. And, of course, it was in chapter 11, I believe, that we saw the story that David... Uh, would defeat the Jebusites the Jebusites who ruled over Jerusalem and David defeated them and so he would build the city of David that was part of Jerusalem and that's where the temple is going to be built and he's desiring to bring the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem to the city of David and make it the the center place of worship for the nation so let's begin to look at that in first chronicles chapter 13 then david consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader and david said to all the assembly of israel if it seems good to you and if it is of the lord our god let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of israel and with them to the priests and levites are in the cities and their common lands that they may gather together to us and let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we not, have not inquired at it since the days of Saul In verse four. Then all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor in Egypt as to far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kurdjeph Jareem. So what we see here is David he consults with the captains and, and hundreds and every leader And we know that the Scripture tells us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And there is. And I think that's why it's important that you and I, that we stay connected to other brothers and sisters, that we stay connected to the church, because as we have brothers and sisters that are in our lives that we fellowship with, that we can seek counsel. And and the key, of course, is godly counsel. And there's safety in that. There's, there's, um, you know, blessing in that for us to be able to have that brother or sister that we can know that we can go to and they will pray for us and pray with us. And then also what they will do is show us what God's word has to say. And again, we live in a world where it's a a world of information that is out there. Um, 24 hours a day, Seven days a week. We know that there's all kinds of uh, news, media, you know, cable network channels. There's um, talk, you know, um, radio that goes on all day long. There's all kinds of things out there on the Internet. All kinds of information is out there and information that, that it, as you look at it, it can be confusing. It changes all the time. Um, you wonder what is true, what isn't true. And we really need to be discerning in the day in which we're living in and the information that we are taking in. But one of the things that I love about the Word of God is I know that this is true, that I can bank on this, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is given... Uh, to us is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. I can be sure that the Word of God doesn't change, and it is true, and I can stand on the promises of God and what God's Word declares to me concerning every area of my life. So that's why I love to be able to give godly counsel to others because I know that it's true and it's right and it is good. And that's what we want to give to others when they come to us. We want to give them God's word. We want to give them God's wisdom, not our opinions, not our great ideas, but we want to take them to what the word of God declares to them. So always seek godly counsel and I pray that you would have brothers and sisters or somebody you can go to and if you need godly counsel, or godly wisdom call us if if you feel like you don't have anybody really to go to and we'd be loved to the staff here be able to talk to you and give you god's word uh, concerning whatever it is questions that you might have or circumstances that you're facing so here is david he consults with them why is he consulting with the leaders well we read that what he wants to do he says that he wants to bring the ark of the covenant back Uh, It's been ignored since the days of Saul, and of course we know that Saul, he neglected the nation when he was so busy pursuing David in the wilderness. When when Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 was rejected by the Lord because of his unfaithfulness, then chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, David is anointed the king uh, by Samuel, and he's the shepherd boy from Bethlehem, and it would be after that that Saul would begin to pursue David. David didn't ascend to to the throne right away, it would be many years later before he was king. And in those years that Saul was envious and bitter towards David, hated David, threw spears at David, pursued him in the wilderness, he neglected the nation. Militarily, and the Philistines became very, very strong. And what is interesting here, I want to draw attention in verse two that he says that um, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel. And there are some scholars that suggest that David here is giving hint that when the Philistines, of course, uh, came into Israel at the end of First of Samuel and the beginning of Second Samuel, and that's where Saul was killed. He was killed on Mount Gilboa in and his sons but we know that um that the philistines occupied the cities of israel that many of them would flee to the east side of the jordan river so there wasn't a whole lot left and and it took time for david to begin to defeat the philistines as we're going to see in the next chapter and for the cities to be repopulated so he says those who are left because saul neglected to fight and keep the nations safe and defeat the enemies of israel Because he was too, you know, focused on trying to pursue David. So the Philistines became very strong at that time. And not only did he neglect the nation militarily, but spiritually as well. Because Saul wasn't interested in the things of God. So you know how the Ark of the Covenant would end up in Kirjath-Jerim. Again, it was captured by the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4. ending up going to the cities of the Philistines. God said a plague against the Philistines. So they said, we've got to get the Ark of the Covenant. And I think that most of you know what is meant by the Ark of the Covenant. It was that, that chest, that box, that golden box that was about three feet long two feet wide and about two feet high, and it had a lid on it, and the lid was made of pure gold, and it had cherubims. And it was placed in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, and only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, and he sprinkled the blood between the cherubim to make atonement for the sins of the nation. And it was the Lord that told Moses that, Moses, I will meet with my people in between the cherubim. So it was that room... Um, the Holy of Holies that were the tangible presence of God was the the, the the Shekinah glory of God was there. And the high priest was only allowed to go in there once a year. So it was the most important furnishing in the tabernacle. And, of course, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the children of Israel brought it out. They lost it in battle. It went to the Philistine, you know, pagan temple of dagog went through the cities they said hey as they were being plagued by the lord they said we need to send it back to israel so they put the ark of the covenant on a cart with two milk cows and they sent it back to israel and it ended up in ker jeff and is there for a number of years saul left it there he wasn't interested in it at this time the tabernacle the tabernacle that was in the wilderness is at gibeon about 10 miles from jerusalem that's where it is located presently here at this time of first chronicles chapter 13 so david he says listen i've conquered jerusalem and now he wants to make jerusalem the city of david the center of worship. And that's why we see here that he calls for the priests and the Levites. That's why I say that we get more of a spiritual perspective in First Chronicles because that's not told to us when we read the account of Second Samuel of him wanting to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. So here's David. He consults with them. And it seemed, as verse 4 says, uh, right in the eyes of all the people. And so what David did is he gathered all the people. He's going to bring the ark back from ker to the city of David, which is about 30 miles. And this is what he does in verse uh, 6. And David and all Israel went up to Baalah. Be'el, uh, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadad and Uzzah, and Ahio drove the cart. And then David and all of Israel played music before God in all their might, with singing on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. In verse 9, and when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And verse 10 tells us, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him, because he put his hand on the ark, and he died there before God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, therefore that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, how can I bring the ark of God To me. And verse 13 tells us so David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite. So this is what happens. Here's David. He consults with the leaders, he gathers all the people of Israel. David here wants to be one that he wants to honor the lord he wants to please the lord and that's what i think that first chronicles really brings out about david more than any of the other chapters that we read about in second samuel that he's one that he desires he is always thinking what can i do to please the lord i want to move the ark of the covenant it's been ignored i want to put it in the tabernacle meeting there at jerusalem the tent that he would erect and then he would say i want to build the lord a temple and he was one that worship was very important the levites and the priests and what we're going to see here in a few chapters he organized the levites so that when the ark does come back to Jerusalem that there's continual worship that is taking place all the time there at that tabernacle there in Jerusalem he was a man of worship he was a man after God's own heart, desiring to please the Lord. So here is this, this, you know, moving the ark, put on a cart with an oxen. They're bringing it back. There's there's a great celebration, as we read here. Uh, there's worship. There's dancing. But all of a sudden, something happens. The ox stumbles. The, the ark is about ready to tip over. Uzzah, who's walking alongside the cart, puts his hand on the the ark understandably and God strikes them dead and all of a sudden the party's over all of a sudden it stops and David was angry and his anger was based on confusion he didn't understand why in wanting to honor God and praise God why God would do that strike Uzzah and so David is wondering how can I break the the ark of God to Jerusalem how can I do that how can I move it when this has happened I think there's some very important lessons in this and it's simply that we know that as david wanted to please the lord and he wanted to honor the lord but the way that he was wanting to do this and i believe that the lord was was pleased that david wanted to move the ark to jerusalem and establish a place of worship that that was important david was a worshiper the psalms that we have And we're going to see in a few chapters that when the ark eventually does make it to Jerusalem, he writes a psalm, and he gives it to Asaph. And Asaph makes a song out of it. And there's continual worship, and there's the division of the Levites, so that has taken place. That was something that David made sure took place, and I know that it honored the Lord and pleased the Lord, but the way that he did it was not pleasing to the Lord. And the very important truth and principle for us to consider tonight is in our desiring to, to live for the Lord. And as we desire to honor the Lord and please the Lord, are we doing it in the way of the Lord, in the way that He would have us to? Because we know that as we've talked about this in, first, uh, or in Numbers chapter 4, it talks about the Levites. And the book of Numbers is a book of order. And we know that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, at the end of the chapter, tells us that we are to do everything decently and in order. God is a God of order, He's not a God of confusion. So in the book of Numbers, it talks a lot about how they were to you know, go through the wilderness and march through the wilderness in order, set up their camp in order, how you know, the Levites, their responsibilities were given in the different families. And we know that Numbers chapter 4 tells us that it was the Kohathites that they were the ones that were to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. We've already talked about that. And here is David doing it the Philistine way. Now, you expect the Philistines to put it on a cart and send it to Israel because they don't believe in the Lord. They don't know of the Lord and the ways of the Lord. But David did. He should have known. And here he's probably wondering, as, as a struck, and all of a sudden everything stops. And he's thinking, how can I move the ark of God? He's probably wondering in his confusion and being upset, Lord, how can I do this? Why aren't you speaking to me? Well, the Lord already spoke to him through the scriptures. And we need to remember that as we desire to live for the Lord and serve the Lord, or whatever circumstance that we might face, that sometimes we can say, Lord, why aren't you speaking to me? Oftentimes, he already has spoken to us through his word. And David is going to have to search the scriptures, and he will, and eventually move the ark the way that pleases God, and that is on the shoulders of the Levites. We need to make sure that as individuals and in our family and in this church, that as we desire to live for the Lord and walk with the Lord, and as we desire to honor the Lord, that we're doing it in the way of the Lord. And that's very important. And I think that sometimes what we can do is in our zeal or, or you know, in our excitement or come up with a good idea, this, this will be pleasing to the Lord. Have we stopped and considered how it is that we're to do that? And, and whatever it might mean for us as an individual walking with the Lord, how we serve the Lord, in our conduct, in our behavior, when it comes to our families and, and parents raising their children in the ways of the Lord, ask this church, are we pleasing the Lord in what we are doing? And I think, unfortunately, what it can happen to a church if they're not careful, and it does happen, is that in their zeal to just want to, to please the Lord and, and to minister, they'll come up with all kinds of great ideas, but it's not the way of the Lord. And that's where you become get on a slippery slope, and we need to be careful. And I know that whatever it is that we do here as a ministry and as a church, I want to look to the Scripture to see the model of the church. And that's what's so wonderful about the book of Acts. We're seeing the model of the church. We're seeing how the church should be, how it was uh, the church, you know, that was growing and multiplying the disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a familiar verse that you know, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continue steadfastly in the Word of God and in prayer and in fellowship and in breaking of bread, those four things. If we're not doing those four things, then something is wrong. So in your life and in your family and in the life of this church, as we desire to please the Lord, we always want to make sure that we're doing it in the way of the Lord, that we want to make sure that, Lord, you are one, that You show us how it is that, you know, we should do church. You show us, you tell us how we should raise our children in the ways of the Lord. You show me how I should be a witness to others, how I should conduct my life. And... And this is the way, and that's what I love about the Word of God. So here is David. He's upset at this time. God had already spoken, saying, hey, it's to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. And so the ark, verse 14, of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So... Here is, uh, you know, uh, the ark that remains in Oda Edom. And again, the ark represented the the tangible presence of God. And it was in the house of this individual, and his house was blessed. How is it that our house is blessed? You know how it's blessed. Is the presence of the Lord there? Is there a a song to the Lord in your house? Is there something of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, that, that is in your home, that your home is a sanctuary? and it's interesting that we know that the book of ephesians says that christ dwells in our hearts that was one of the mystery that paul reveals to the christians hey christ dwells in your heart by the holy spirit he lives inside of you and and that word dwell has the meaning of just making himself comfortable in your heart and is the lord comfortable in your heart as he dwells in your heart is he comfortable in your house As your house honors the Lord, as your house is there that has the, the, as you make a song and and making melody unto the Lord, not only in your heart, but in your home as well. Does the Lord, is he comfortable in your home? Is there the presence of the Lord? And as there is, your home is going to be blessed. So we talked about those things, you know, over the last studies. And here is Obed-Edom and all that he had in his home was blessed because of the presence of the Lord. And chapter 14, now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord was established him as king over Israel. For his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. And then David took more wives in Jerusalem, and David begot more sons and daughters. And these are the names of his children whom he had in Jerusalem. And the list is given to you there in verses 4 through 7. You might make make note of two. One is Nathan and Solomon there in verse uh, 4, and then the other uh, children that he would have as he ruled in Jerusalem. Remember that David, he was one that um, as he grew in power, uh, that he uh, was one that multiplied wives. Now, David, when he was working on his palace, we know that David hires um, Hiram, king of Tyre, which is up in what is today called Lebanon, uh, to do that work. And Hiram was very wise um, because he didn't become David's enemy. David was defeating the enemies of Israel all around Israel, but Hiram says, listen, I'm going to join in with David, and I'm going to make a covenant with David. And he would have, you know, those big cedar trees uh, up there in Lebanon. It's very mountainous up there. And big cedar trees that would be used to build David's house, but also would be used to build the temple, as we're going to see later on. David makes a covenant with him. And they, you know, Hiram sends carpenters and masons down to help David and was a big help to him. And also we're going to see... That, that takes place as well when Solomon builds the temple. Matter of fact, it's interesting that Solomon, what we, we saw in 1 Kings chapter 5, is when Solomon was ready to build the temple, he writes a letter to Hiram. And he says, you know how my father could not build a house for the Lord. Interesting. And when you really think about that, you know, Hiram, Solomon says, you know how my father told you that he couldn't build a house for the Lord. And so he's going to use harm to help him build the temple, and harm would rejoice at that. He wrote a letter back to Solomon and said, "Blessed be the Lord this day. I simply want to say this. I believe David was a great witness to harm of Tyre, that he witnessed to him. "Hey, I want to build the true and the living God, a house, a temple. Will you help me harm?" And he told him about the Lord, he was a witness to him. You see, David just didn't fight against everyone, you know, all around him, but, but he would also be a witness, and he would give testimony of the true and living God. And Harm was one that was willing to, to listen. Hey, I'm going to talk to you about the Lord and what he's put on my heart. And I believe Harm. he gives indication as he says, oh, blessed be the Lord God. Whether he was saved or not, we don't know for sure, but he gives indication as he gives honor to the God of Israel. And again, that Israel was to be a light to the other nations, that when the other nations saw how God had blessed them, that they would turn to the true and the living God. And what my prayer again simply is this tonight, that we would be a light to others. That we would be able to share with others what the Lord has put on our hearts, and this is what the Lord is doing with my life and, and just be able to share that in very simple ways and so David was able to do that with harm, and, and so harm was one that um, would make a covenant with David and also with Solomon. but then again, we know that David, as we read here in the first part of this chapter in verses three and four, that David took on more wives, he had more children. And, um, and David did that as he became more powerful. But we also know this, that David, even though he was a man after God's own heart, that David was, was a man that sinned. And David was a man that went against the word of the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that said that the king was not to multiply wives, and David did, and it led to difficulties and great problems in his life, as we'll discuss that more as we continue through First Chronicles and go into Second Chronicles. David um, just had difficulties with his children and with his family because he transgressed the word of the Lord. Listen, even David, who was a man after God's own heart, I don't know who's knocking on the door. If it's Jesus, answer it, all right? If, John, you want to kind of check on those kids, untie the teacher or whatever. (laughs) I forgot where I was now. Anyway, but David, even a man after God's own heart, that he was not exempt from the consequences of transgressing the word of the Lord. And we need to be ones that remember when God says stay away from sin, stay away from this thing, that if we ignore that, that there are going to be serious consequences and repercussions because we did transgress the word of the Lord, and David discovered that. When he says don't do this or stay away from that, it's because it's a loving father that doesn't want you to be hurt or go through the negative consequences of sin and transgression. And so David did, and his family was uh, one of those areas where we see that David had difficulty because he multiplied wives. When he was told in Deuteronomy chapter 17, he wasn't. But verse 8, now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went out against them. And then the Philistines went out and made a raid on the valley of Rephraim. And David inquired of God, verse 10, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines, and will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. And so the enemy hears that David has been anointed king, and whenever God is... Is working, we know that the enemy is going to come against that work. We're going to see that once again with Paul and Barnabas as they are on their first missionary journey, that once again persecution comes against Paul and Barnabas. And we see that pattern in the book of Acts that where God is working, then the enemy rises up to come against that work. And he'll do that in your life as well and in my life. That he will come against us. And we need to understand that. And that's why it's such a spiritual battle. That it is the enemy that desires to come against us. And that's why it's important for us to understand what the kids are going to be learning that we put on the whole armor of God, that we may resist the wiles of the devil, that is, the schemes of the devil, his planning against us, his plotting against us, throwing those fiery darts at us. Because it is a battle that is out there. So put on the whole armor of God. But know this, as you're growing in the word of God and as you are growing in this love and you're being used of the Lord, the attacks are going to come. The attacks are going to come. So that's one of the reasons why I ask for your prayers. As pastor of this church, I ask for your prayers. I covet your prayers very, very much because I know that the enemy doesn't like what God is doing here at Calvary Chapel. He doesn't like the work that is being done here. He doesn't like the fact that the Word of God is being taught. He doesn't like that people are coming and giving their lives to Jesus Christ. He doesn't like that people are serving the Lord here. They're growing in the Lord. He doesn't like the fact that we're on Grace FM and that the gospel and the Word of God is going throughout all of the front range here from Castle Rock up into Wyoming five days a week. He doesn't like that. Satan hates this church and he hates this ministry. And I see Satan attacking those who are being used of him and he will do no different with you and with me and with this church. So I covet your prayers and I ask that you pray for the leadership here and those who are serving here. How we need prayer. Because the enemy is plotting and he's planning and he's desiring to come against us. And we always remember this, that our battle isn't with flesh and blood, but with principalities and power and spiritual wickedness in high places. And I've seen that the, just the, the attacks of friends of mine that are in ministry and saints that I know and very dear, that especially in these last days as we're getting closer to the return of the Lord. And the enemy is going to attack us as a church, and he's going to attack you and your family and you as an individual. So we need to be praying for one another and encouraging one another and and helping one another. So David here, what does he do as the enemy gathers to come against David? Remember that when they heard he's king, David, he was in Ziglag that we talked about last week, right before the death of Saul. And, And the Philistines at one time thought that David defected to them. Hey, David's on our side. But all of a sudden, now David's the king of Israel, and they're upset, and they gather to do battle. And so David, he says, hey, Lord, should I, should I go up against the enemy? Will you deliver them into my hand, verse 10? And that's something that we always do. We inquire of the Lord. We always go to the Lord and ask him, search his word. And so verse 11 is the Lord, which, or verse 10 Uh, The Lord said to him, Go up, I will deliver them into your hands. In verse 11, they went up to Baal, Barazim, and David defeated them there. And then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, they called the name of that place, Baal, Barazim. So David has great victory. as The Lord um, gives him victory. Um, And he would say that we have, you know, victory is like a breakthrough of water. It refers to an overwhelming victory that God gave to David. And then in verse um, 12, and when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment um, that they should be burned with fire. That's one of the things that David never messed around with was with the idols. Some of the other kings of Judah, what you see when they had victory against the enemy, they would bring their idols back. David never did that. He said, burn those idols, get rid of them. And that's one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart. He didn't mess around with idols. He didn't bow the knee to an idol. He had no interest in them. Hey, they're idols. Let's burn them. Let's get rid of them. We're not going to have anything to do with them, so that's what he does. And in verse 13, then the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. So the the enemy regathers here. The enemy isn't going to quit. The enemy is going to keep coming against you, your family, and against this church just continually he's not going to quit he doesn't have any good days he doesn't take vacation he will always come against us in any way that he feels that he can to get a foothold into your life into your family into the life of this church and it's a continual battle that will not end until we go home to be with the lord and so we need to understand it, and that's why we need to be watching and awake and, and sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, you go to, you watch the shows, you know, nature shows, and a lion never rests. A lion is going to, you know, hunt as long as it's alive, looking for that prey, looking to pounce on, the, uh, you know, on its you know, prey and, and try to get that food source. So the enemy is the same way. He's always looking to pounce, always looking to come and battle against us. And that's what the Philistines do here as they are in the valley once again in verse 14. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Circle around them and come up uh, upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And when it shall be, when you hear the sound of marching on tops of the mulberry trees... Then you shall go out to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded him, and they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. And then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. So here is David. The enemy gathers once again in the valley. David inquires of the Lord once again and that's a real key. You say, we already know that, Pastor, but here's something that we need to be careful of. Sometimes we'll face the same circumstance or situation, a similar circumstance or situation. Hey, we faced this last week or last month or a year ago, and so you think that God's going to work in the exact same way. David was wise enough to be able to say, listen, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And the Lord says, David, I'm going to have you fight, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to wait on me till you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry trees. And you know what? We need to be careful that we have total dependency upon the Lord. Lord, maybe you want to work differently in this situation or in this circumstance or in this trial. And the Lord says you are to wait until you hear the sound of the marching in the mulberry trees. Or whatever it is that he's speaking to you. Maybe he wants to do something a little bit different. Maybe he he wants you to go in another direction, whatever it might be. Even though the circumstances are similar, he might work in the same way, but always being sensitive to the leading of the Lord and going to him. That's what's so exciting about being a Christian. It's walking with him day by day, moment by moment, being sensitive to his leading being sensitive to his voice and what he has for you and for me, guiding us in our journey in life. And so that's what David did, and he had another great victory. And you and I will have victory as well as we do that. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time and your word as we end here for tonight. And, Lord, I just thank you that we can go over these chapters that maybe we're familiar, we've seen it already, but, Lord, we can get a different perspective on things, and we can see how... David desired to honor you, and he sought you, but in our own lives, how we desire to do it in a way that's pleasing to you. And, Lord, I do pray that tonight, that as we're here in this place, that, Lord, that, um, that we would always remember that we are to go to you, first of all, in your word for godly counsel. Every day of our lives, every moment, every circumstance, every situation, knowing that you desire to lead us and to guide us and to direct us, to bless us, Lord. And, Lord, may we be ones that we want to honor you. Lord, we want to please you with our lives. We want to please you as a church, Lord. Lord, that's what my prayer is, is that we wouldn't get focused on things that perhaps will distract us away from you, distract us from doing ministry, distract us from reaching out to this community, to Northern Colorado, We want to be about being Christians that give a living hope. The message of the living hope. Be a a light to others. Lord, that we would be ones that we would encourage one another. So Father, I thank you that we can do that. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for the love that's here at Calvary Chapel. And Lord, how you've just done an amazing work and want to continue to do that with our young people. I I think about Sunday afternoon, all the young people in my backyard. And even though the grass gets tromped and maybe a gate gets broken, what a privilege and an honor have those children, those young, young people, to be able to minister to them and feed them and love them. Lord, that's what we want to be about. We don't want to be about hype and, you know, entertainment. We don't want to be about those things at all. We want to be about loving people and giving truth and caring about people. I think about the people in this fellowship that care for others so much and I get to hear the stories how the word of encouragement comes or a meal is made or meeting with that young couple that needs help ministering in the community ministering to those that nobody else has time for just giving them truth and loving them, being an encouragement and a light to those at the workplace, desiring to bless, and and Lord, be a testimony of of your goodness. Father, I pray that we would be about that, and knowing that the enemy is going to attack. Lord, may we put on the whole armor of God May we endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ just as we're told and a soldier doesn't get entangled with the affairs of the world. And Lord, even as we talked about Saul, that he would die and then David became king and David's house grew stronger and Saul's house grew weaker, that David was a work of the Spirit. Saul's, it was a work of the flesh and may this spirit gets stronger and stronger in us and the weak uh, the, the flesh get weaker and weaker may we walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the desires of the flesh Lord may this world we not be enamored with it have a love for it that is the things of the world the pleasures of the world we do have a love for those that are in the world and a love for those who are lost and Lord may we love them enough to give them truth not compromising standing firm for you and it's a day where we live in a mixed up society Lord as I read about how chaplains can be court-martialed in the military for being a witness and and Lord desiring to share faith with others and, and yet we're a nation that we kill babies every day the unborn and we look at it and it's crazy and it's becoming darker and more evil and we know that the word says the evil man will wax worse and worse in the last days and we're seeing it the crimes against our children Lord the just rebellion against you and your word Lord I pray for a change of heart and the outpouring of your spirit on this country, I pray for true repentance. I pray that there be repentance in the church, Lord. That it begins with us. That as your people call on your name, Lord, I pray that if this church of Lord, there's sin, there's there's compromise. We're doing anything that we're not aware of, Lord. Lord, bring correction to us. Help us to be in that place where we don't want to play church. We want to be broken and humbled before you. Lord, I want to, as the pastor, be broken and humble before you. The leadership here, all that are here. We live in perilous times, Lord. And may our commitment be real to you. May we love our young people. May we honor our older. And Lord, may there be a presence that is felt in this place. May people sense it as they come here. How they desperately need that. And Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here that's never really committed their lives to Jesus Christ, that there be a turning to to him right now for salvation because he is our salvation. And we proclaim that because that's what your word proclaims. And that's what Jesus' love proved on the cross at Calvary. If there's anyone here, maybe you've never, never really surrendered to Jesus that you would do so now and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I have sinned and I turn to you and I know that my sin has separated me from you, from the Father, and now I come believing that you died on the cross for my sins. that you rose again and you're alive and I surrender my life to you be my personal Lord and Savior Lord I come and I say that my life is not my own but father for all of us that are here we can get distracted in so many different ways and get pulled away into the world that we would say tonight that our lives are not our own. That, Lord, I want to fully walk with you and seek you and hear from you. So, Lord, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the fellowship we're going to have. And, Lord, take us all home safely till we meet again. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen, Amen. Would you please...